We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers pulled off one of the more entertaining and weird and competitive wins last night over the New York Knicks, winning 101-99 to in overtime. Shout out to Wes Matthews for a great putback to send it to OT. And then THT. We had some adventures with THT yesterday and... I think that that game against the Knicks is kind of a demarcation point in THT's season. His circumstances are about to change quite a bit. One of the reasons that was such a gratifying win is we didn't have any ball handling against a really good defensive team and a good ball pressure, good ball denial team. They turned us over 24 times when we played them in New York. They turned us over, I think, 20 times last night. They are the specific type of team that I think gives us more issues under normal circumstances. And then when you take all of our ball handlers away, then that compounds itself. So that left us with Taylin. Taylin uh, took us on quite an adventure last night, Darius. Uh, talk to me about what you saw from him because he was really put in that you got to be LeBron James role and good luck doing that. And we, we had some ups and downs along the way, but he had a big shot over his childhood hero in Derrick Rose. Uh, just what a moment for him. THT showed all of his 20 years. He showed all the exuberance and all the potential and all of the things that make you believe in him as a long-term prospect. And he also showed a lot of the inexperience and, and, and sort of how the pressure and the circumstances of playing a really disciplined 
defensive team, right, Pete? So you mentioned... This is a great point. This is a great distinction right here. Yeah, you mentioned the idea that, like, the Knicks are good defense. They are pressure defense. They sort of, like, get up in you, and they're physical. And yes, like, and against a player like THT, I think that can be something that he can actually use against you at times, right? That's because right. That's how he gets to the basket. Yep. Because he's also strong and, and he is shifty and he is crafty, right? But what the Knicks bring beyond that physicality is, and, and that idea of playing hard is they play smart and they play disciplined and they crowd you in the right ways and they funnel you in the right direction and the help is almost always there. And how many times did THT end up three feet from the basket, four feet from the basket, and basically turn around and face the opposite basket like, holy cow, I am surrounded right now, and I'm not quite sure what to do or where to pass. And look, man, 10 assists, seven turnovers, 13 points. He navigated a minefield yesterday. And I think he didn't come out on the other side clean, but he came out on the other side. And I think there were ups and downs with him, even within the game. Like there was a sequence where KCP had just gotten a great strip. I think it was on Taj Gibson, maybe underneath the basket, throw ahead to THT. And now it's him and Ben McLemore in a two on one. And he and THT's eyes are wide. He sees it, right? Like, I'm going to throw this lob to Ben McLemore and we're going to be in this game. And like <laughs> the 2,500 fans that are here are going to make it yeah, sound like 20,000, yeah, right? That's right. And he threw that shit right into the front row. Like, who was that pass <laughs> to? And the next possession down, he gets sort of like trapped in the like on the sideline a little bit and he either commits another turnover or he travels or something right and it was a, a couple of back-to-back plays and i said it online he's in his head right now right For sure but they had nowhere else to go mike and he just sort of had to live in that moment and get over that hump and it's those are growing moments for him, but in the it's the regular season. So the leverage of these moments can only get so high. But this is a high leverage game. The Lakers wanted to win. And THT is out there being asked to lift the heaviest lift that he may have had to have lifted all season. And it was just a great moment for him, I think, to sort of come out on the other side the way that he did. A couple of things. First of all. Ben McLemore actually has some hops. He does. Which which I think people might think of him as like a three-point shooting specialist, but he can get up. So it just – it was a bad pass. But it wasn't like – it would have been to me a little bit different if it was Wesley Matthews or something. <laughs> and and TH – because then it would have just been the complete like, bruh. <laughs> like what – no, what are you, you doing? Saw what he was, you saw what he was going for. But, at least. He didn't McLemore, have the right angle. Yeah. He overthrew it. But McLemore can go get those. He yeah. can rise. So I just, I just wanted to point that out. And so now to to move things over from the turnover aspect and just if you just looked at the first quarter, the first quarter, the first overtime box score, THG scored eight points. So it wasn't just the dagger three. The Lakers scored 10 points and THG had eight of them. 
Um, so he had an early three. Of course, then he had the dagger three. Um, then he had a, a pair of free throws and another bucket. Now, he also threw in the two turnovers and an assist. But basically, he was the usage guy um, in the overtime. Part of this is because Anthony Davis tweaked his groin. And so he wasn't able to quite initiate the same. And, and Darius, I thought you did a great job of breaking down why this Knicks matchup specifically is a bit more difficult for a team missing all of its playmakers. And I thought we saw the same thing in the Clippers game uh, that the Lakers were just kind of stuck in mud in that game because they were aggressively overplaying the perimeter. They knew that the Lakers weren't going to have the guys to break them down at the dribble. And that's the kind of thing where if this was like a playoff series, then in the Lakers didn't have all their guys, it would be a real issue. Um, it'd be a real concern. And it also shows you kind of why Derek Rose was so good. But the bottom line is, um, Pete, I think you I think you have this audio. Did Kyle Kuzma manage to describe to us what the most important aspect of THT was in this game? All right, Kyle Kuzma. So just take us through what you saw on those last couple possessions. You got uh, everything on defense with AD. You got the kid, THT, able to hit that clutch shot. What was your view? Oh, uh, man, you know, uh, THT made a huge, huge shot, man. He's got some big balls for that one. Uh, step back three. Nothing but net, uh, game on the line, and, um, you know, it, it was just great. Frank Vogel said it after the game. He showed everything that he is in this kind of aspect. He's He giveth some, he taketh away some, but he giveth more. And, you know, that's the, that's the part of what he gets flowers for because what he did in that game, it, it is not easy, especially that kind of defense, especially for a 20-year-old, especially for a guy that wasn't just a pure, like, Chris Paul-type point guard growing up. You know, he's really having to learn on the fly, Pete. And and I it's just it's really a, a, a nice feeling to be able to watch him come through in a moment. And that's before I get into all the whole the fact that it was over Derrick Rose, his childhood hero and, you know, the guy that went to his high school. He's not even a point guard. Right. He's not. He's, he's a weapon. Like he, he's a ball handling weapon. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and that's. Now, making those reads, though, are part of the type of weapon that he is. His great talent is the ability to drive to the basket. We talked more so earlier about the Lakers' drive-and-kick game, and drive-and-kick is a universal basketball principle. And in terms of how you react, how the different positions react to each other, what you're supposed to do. And I always talk about the decision zone being right around the free-throw line. But just like any other rule, quote unquote, in basketball, there are exceptions to it. And there are it's more of a guideline, right? Like and Talon is one of the few ball handlers who can penetrate all the way to the rim. And then the reason why that the free throw line is the decision zone is if you penetrate any deeper and you're looking to pass, your passing angles aren't as good. You run into more arms. If you're penetrating from the perimeter, usually you're a smaller player meeting larger players down there. And you might know that the guy on the weak side wing is open, but you are not tall enough. You can't get to the passing angle to be able to deliver that pass with all of the arms that that you meet when you get that deep. And that's why you make that decision at the free throw line that if I'm going to go all the way to the rim, like if I'm going to take this next dribble, it's going to be with the intention to score. Maybe the big rotates over and then I dump it off to the big, but I'm attacking from this point on the free throw line on with the intention to score. THT is an exception to that rule in large part because of his wingspan. That pass that he hit Macklemore with on the wing where the Knicks were were icing a ball screen, Julius kind of left a little too early. And so Talon saw that and racked toward the basket, you know, from, from the wing. And that collapses the defense. 
Taylin jumps on one side of the basket and then wraps the pass all the way around. I posted this on my Twitter account and hits Ben right in his shot pocket and he goes up and knocks it down. There aren't many people who can make that pass. And so this season in large part has been Taylin really exploring what can I get away with on the NBA level? And these minutes without LeBron and the, just these last couple of months, because remember, he started this season mostly as an off-ball player, and that's not his talent. And it was certainly beneficial to him to get those reps. But these last couple of months with LeBron out, I thought I think that we've gotten to see more of what's exciting about him and also more of – like he can really use a season – where he has practices, right? Where they actually get to practice and a full off season to develop his game. But this, we'll talk in the second segment about his playoff role and what role he can fit on this team. But going forward this year and this couple of months in particular has been just invaluable experience for him. I want to bring it back to the Knicks game a little bit, just because the thing that I think I, I appreciate, especially during this later stretch of the experience, Pete. It's one thing to get reps at something, right? And I think we're all appreciative of the reps that he's been getting with LeBron out. Um, I'd love to bring it back, though, just really quickly to the idea of the types of reps that that he got specifically against the Knicks, I think, are even more important, right? In, In what way? Just in the way that... You're playing against a really good team that really wanted to win the game against a coach who prepares you as well as any other coach in the league to manage the specific strengths of every individual player. Vogel and Tibbs are very much sort of the same sort of animal, defensive oriented, game plan specific, very much we're going to play harder than you. We're going to execute better than you. And that's how we're going to win, right? It's not going to be pretty. These guys are both sort of old school Eastern Conference coaches, right? Vogel came up under Jim O'Brien with the Pacers, right? And and Tibbs came up under Jeff Van Gundy on those old Knicks teams. Like there's, there's a reason why the fourth quarter started and it was like in the 70s. Frank Vogel is, this is Leif Bidenson said this frank vogel is tom thibodeau after a meditation retreat Ah, i love that it's so good that's perfect these guys are cut from the same cloth and the reason why i think the knicks game is important is the stakes aren't the same right but it reminded me some i've been thinking about kobe a lot lately like he's going to be inducted into the hall of fame this saturday and you, you know, I've been like watching YouTube videos the other day. I watched the video that um, was put together for his memorial service. And I just sat there and was like, like sm- smiling the saddest smile that you could yeah. smile. Right. Yeah. But I last night. Watching THT sort of be thrown into the deep end. Against a very well coached team, it reminded me of. Kobe's first playoffs the, mm-hmm. against the Jazz, right? And just sort of the excitement 
and then the mistakes. He reminds me a lot of Kobe. Like, I, I'm not trying to say that he's going to be Kobe Bryant, but so much about Kobe's rookie year and that being thrown into the fire and seeing the talent, but also the and, and then that quiet confidence that like Taylor, what, what did Frank say after the game? Right. Like that along with what Koo said about he's got guts, right? He's a, a very confident kid. And the idea of, look, man, look, I'm just going to go out there and, and play. And THT is an on, he is an on ball dude. Like there's the two threes that he hit in OT, Mike, those were both sort of like wiggle, wiggle, step away off like off the dribble, those are primary ball handler shots. They're not the types of shots that are, all right, well, I'm just Ben McLemore in it, right? I'm in the corner, like, hey, look at me, swing, swing, and then I'm going to shoot. Like, in fact, I feel like in the last two two months, THT has almost regressed in those in those areas. Yeah, because, he's gonna get better at those things. Yeah. Because his mindset has shifted even more to I need to be on ball, on ball, on ball, like make the play, make the play, make the play. And that's going to come with great highs and some really low lows. And against the Knicks specifically, I just thought this is a moment for him to grow and for him to learn. And when you hear the quotes, Mike, after the game of like Anthony Davis talking about, he's always asking questions. He's always wanting to learn. And that's a theme with him. And it does not that's why games like this to me are super valuable for him it's because you know he wants to be great you know he wants to put in the work and you know he wants that feedback that only reps in those types of moments can give you yeah so i've got the game on in the background right now in in the fourth quarter with about 5 minutes left there's a possession where the Lakers don't have much going, which is similar to much of the second half. And AD kind of gets a little handoff to THT on the right wing. He curls around, and guess who's waiting in the paint? Julius Randle has dropped in there. Uh, you've got you've got Natilla Kina helping down. You've got Nerlens Noel. There are literally four Knicks in the paint. Rose then crashes down. This is the possession where Tibbs was losing his mind because it probably was three seconds, right? They didn't call it. And eventually he looks around. Okay, finally finds Drummond. Then Drummond does the drop pass to AD, who dunks it. You know, and it's just like it was. This is that's not a play that you draw that you draw up. Okay, it's not it's not an offensive set. It's not. I mean, sure they wanted to get him some action going forward, and, but it just that he just found a way eventually to make a play. And there were those moments. A lot of other times it ended up in a turnover. And I think Pete to kind of wrap up my my own THT thought here. The the bigger issue moving forward is that you just cannot possibly have to depend upon him this much in key games moving forward. But we know that LeBron James is expected to return promptly. There's the hope that Dennis Schroeder can return promptly. We'll see about Alex Caruso. You know, eventually he's going to be able to play through it. Uh, but like he had pain in that in that foot, kind of the recurring pain there. So. I don't think there's going to be many situations where the Lakers are going to have to depend on him to the such, but he he's, I think he's going to grow that much more by being forced to do it. It's just, it's not ideal at this point. So it's, it, we get it. It's all in context, but uh, let's hope that the Lakers don't have to depend on him to this degree as they move forward here. Yeah, that's why. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This coming change of circumstances for him represents a new chapter in his season. And I thought that him hitting a game winner over his childhood hero was a great way of capping off the THT's got to pick up the slack portion of the season. But fingers crossed with all of those guys coming back, his role is about to be very different and the stakes will not have been higher at any point. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about where does Talon fit into the playoff rotation? Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So, D, for all of the excitement that we have over Talon and all of the flashes that he's had and the ups and downs, there is not an aspect of his game that I feel like I can depend on, right? Meaning that Ben McLemore, for example, I think Talon is a a better overall player, certainly, even at this point. But I know that Ben McLemore is going to hit threes. I know that if... There's some circumstance the defense is really overloading toward LeBron or AD, and I stick Ben McLemore on the weak side. I feel really good about my chances of him being able to fill a particular role. On both sides of the ball, we've talked primarily about offense with with Talon. Talon has weaknesses that will be exploited in the playoffs. What does his playoff role look like 
considering what he brings to the table, but also what he takes off of it. Offensively, I think he becomes like a fourth ball handler type. And those guys don't play a lot. Let's just start there. There's a certain amount of, all right, well, when you talk about his game, Talon is an on-ball player. He can, I think ideally in this version of the Lakers, he is a second side player, right? And so Ben Mathlemore is a second side player too, but he is a shooter, right? He is a finisher. THT is a second side player, but he's a creator. And that is a different role entirely. I think that to a certain extent, you would hope Dennis is going to be a second side player because I think he can thrive in the same way that we would envision THT thriving, but Dennis is so much more experienced and he is so much more seasoned and he has so many more reps and high leverage reps that you trust his decision-making more. One of the reasons why I think you can say it flatly that you don't, there's not an area of game that you can trust necessarily with Talon. It's that mainly comes back to inexperience and decision making. Well, it's also skill though. Like if you're giving the elbow pull up to Dennis, Dennis is going to hit that. Talon doesn't have go-to scoring moves aside from that that reverse on a drive, right? Yes, but I would argue that the versatility in his game right? The ability to create shots both at the rim for himself and for teammates. He is a better shot creator for teammates, I think, already than Dennis Schroeder, right? He's just he's just not necessarily as good a decision maker even as Schroeder at this point. Schroeder's more limited, right? Because of his size. But I trust Dennis's decision making a little bit more. And just saying that out loud sort of shows you Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right just sort of shows you the level at which THT is at right now but that's mostly because of experience it's not because of ability and and sure. so there is a bridging that needs to occur of ability and decision making in order to meet at the peak of the graph that is going to give you optimal results and that's why he has to move down in the rotation because the reps that you get in the playoffs, the possessions matter too much. You cannot give away two, three, four, five possessions in a game, even much less a half, right? Or, or a shift and a half. And, and so as much as, and that's just offense on defense, he needs to lock in 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 a way that you don't necessarily know if you can rely on. Mike, he's so talented, though, right? And so do you envision him having a role? Not that is basically meets where he's been at maybe like during uh, – there have been moments where everyone has been healthy and he's been a key rotation player. He's been basically the eighth guy about – can you imagine him maintaining like an eighth man role on the Lakers during the playoffs? Or do you see guys leapfrogging him? Yeah, that's man. That is a, a longer discussion is what is the optimal Lakers rotation? If everybody's healthy, he's healthy. We literally haven't seen since early February and we haven't even really seen it then because there was no Drummond. There was no Macklemore. So it's an unknown. I think that the three of us could go through 
and give what we think the best rotation would be. But I think what's more likely to happen is that you've got your, you know, you've got the starting five. We know who that's going to be. Um, I, I think that we, of course, you've got Kuzma and Caruso um, that are guarantees off the bench. And then there are, you know, literally six other guys that have all shown enough to say that against certain opposition that they should be on the court. And so I, I think you find some time for THT in certain parts where you need a little bit of extra scoring creation and, and you need a, in a little burst where you can go in and kind of like they did in the Houston series where, hey, THT, go in, get, get into the paint and make some plays. The other team doesn't have time to plan for it. They're not you know, loading up their defense for it like the Knicks were able to, et cetera. Uh, there are certain matchups. Marcus Gasol is definitely going to play 20 minutes this night against this type of big. There's another couple matchups like Phoenix. Hey, Trez is definitely going to get some burn in this series. Um, Wesley Matthews against, say, the Clippers, right, where the other team has some bigger wings. We, you need to lean in towards Wesley Matthews. And then if you, ha- if you just really need floor spacing and three-point shooting for a certain time, um, I'm a little bit worried about the defense for Macklemore. I know Pete's been kind of re- leading that uh, that um, point of thought, but I don't I don't know other than sort of Caruso and Kuz as whoever the matchup is. They're on the floor with that second unit period. I think there there is some wiggle uh, to the rest of it, and that includes THT. Uh, that includes the other guys I mentioned, and and I didn't even mention Keith, right? Who in some matchups you also uh, might might be okay having him as that five with the stretch abilities who can switch next to AD. Yeah, we've looked at the Lakers as having a tool for every problem with respect to the bigs, but I would argue you could say something similar about our wing rotation, specifically Talon, Ben McLemore, and and Wes, right? Where they're very different strengths and weaknesses, and if you need a defender who can be sturdy at the point of attack that's going to make the right play that isn't going to take a ton off of the table, that's Wes. And I think Wes, Wes to me is our backcourt mark or our wing mark in that he's the guy I can depend on the most in all circumstances. But it comes with the downside. Pete? What do you call Wes and uh, uh, Mark? The responsible adults lineup. Thank that's you. right. I, I love I love the responsible adults on this team. Absolutely. And remember, when we signed Wes, I was like, eh, I don't know. He's He's won my heart over for sure this season because he makes the right play but that's going to come with times where he's 0 for 3 from 3 and all three were wide open shots that make you go ah you gotta you gotta hit that right Ben McLemore is the inverse of that McLemore might hit four threes in five minutes but he's also going to make me you know put my my head in my hands on some of the defensive mistakes that he makes uh or there and the thing about the mistakes because THT makes these mistakes too, but he doesn't have an athletic advantage as well. I think THT is actually pretty good on ball as a defender. If he's engaged and he sees what's happening in front of him, very disruptive with his length, he can check guys with his body. One of the things as a coach that you coach an on ball defender to do is foul with your body, meaning that if you don't get your hands in there, you can use your your chest and and your your stomach and all of that to keep to knock guys off of their line when they're driving to the basket. Talon does stuff like that on the ball, but off of the ball, he can get lost. And so he's a better defender than Macklemore is, but he's not as good of a defender as Wes is. But I would argue that in any situation, whatever series we're in or whatever point of the game we're in, there will be clear points just like there are with our bigs where 
it should be THT right here. We could really use somebody that can get to the basket and their defense, they can't protect the front of the rim. Denver's a good team where I, I think that the THT does a nice job against them. There are going to be times where we need a responsible adult in there that might make his threes, let's hope, but he's going to play good defense. And Wes has been a great part of a lot of good plus minus lineups lately. And I would argue that Wes, like Mark, is the guy to build around. And then it's more, do we need THT here or Ben? And Ben obviously being the guy who can light it up from three. I I generally agree with your weak side observation regarding THT. I would also say, though, I think the most applicable playoff scenario is him as a screen setter for LeBron when teams like to blitz LeBron. It's something that we saw against uh, the Boston game stands out. For example, we saw this against Miami as well. Uh, the Boston game where we, we won in Boston where they're blitzing LeBron. You get the ball to tail in on that short roll. Now you got a four on three with a guy with bad intentions driving to the basket. That's very good at doing that. That can really operate in that drive and kick game. So I think, Ultimately, Talon's a more situational playoff player than will be fully in the rotation. Yeah, and that's about where I stand with him as well. Like he is, I want him to get more reps. I think playoff reps are super important for young players. Um, I just think the leash has to be relatively short with him and that Mm -hmm. he needs to be deployed in... Really, really, really ideal situations in order to truly set him up for success. And Mike mentioned the Houston series last year. I thought that was a perfect example. It was an example where they parked him on the weak side and Vogel told him basically, shoot when they don't close out. And when they close out, attack the basket. Right? And he has... And he can do that, right? That's that's baby steps for him. That's crawling for him, basically. Like the stuff that he's been asked to do now in comparison, like that's addition and subtraction. And the stuff that he's been doing now has been, yeah, let's solve a limit in calculus, right? Like we're going to find area under the curve today against Tibbs's playoff ready Knicks defense, right? Like that's, that's the difference. So in a way, the things that we're talking about with THT now is almost a, and this is a big ask for a young player guys. It's like scale down your mindset, right? Get ready for a more refined and narrow role because the role that you've been asked to fill lately has been, wide open frontier, right? Like go in any direction you want and then make whatever happen that can happen. Just try to get something positive out out of this. And yes, we want you to try to organize the offense. And yes, we want you to try to do this. But when all of that, when there's all this chaos moving around you, cut through it all, get to the front of the rim and play your game. And and he's been hit or miss, but but he's been doing that. Now it's sort of just like, hey, man, like we need you to do exactly this and basically this only. And that's going to take an adjustment from him as much as anything else. And, and not buy in 
right? Because I expect him to buy in. It, it's, it's just scale it down and, and, and taking stuff off of the table within your mind as a young player can be tricky at times because you're still out there trying to, just like you said at the beginning of the pod, Pete, show what I can do at an NBA level, what works and what doesn't. Just thinking about Anthony Davis for a second, and he clearly wasn't fully, he wasn't moving great by the end of the game with the groin, but he still managed to on, I don't know, 10 different possessions, just completely destroy what the Knicks wanted to run originally with their action. And whether Mm -hmm. it was standing up Julius Randle, who's who's easily one of the, the toughest matchups in the NBA right now, because he's either too big or too quick. For almost everybody, mm-hmm. it's a, I think about that you, jumper now. Yeah, yeah, with a jumper too, and and he look even he he did manage to get past AD a couple times, uh, but and and I think especially once AD wasn't moving as well late, but that fear of AD flying back in, even if you get by him, impacted a couple of his shots, and so and then AD also switched out to Derrick Rose, who had been just giving the, the Lakers the business all night, and it reminds you of say like Jokic. There's only so many guys that can handle him. Guess who's so AD can handle anybody on a switch. He can handle the biggest wings, Kawhi, Paul George, uh, the quickest guards when he gets up and pressures a Dame or a Steph, as we've seen, uh, the biggest bigs, you know, down low where his length manages to go over the top. And I just thought, even you know, there's a reason why the Lakers have been have eked out some games over the last couple of years down the stretch. It's because not only what he does in those types of games that he did against the Knicks, but when you have LeBron, who's also capable of doing that stuff on a guy late. And it's just a it's just a nice little reminder that uh, that of what AD and how special he is defensively and and what a massive advantage that that gives the Lakers that I didn't want to go unnoticed after what he did down the stretch. No, Pete, you highlighted that play against Randall where basically AD, the light was flashing red for him. This is the most important defensive possession of the game right here. They're going to my guy. And I have to shut off his faucet. Yeah, and if he scores, the game's basically over. Basically over. And AD locked the hell in. You could just see it, man. Deep stance. Like, you're not going left at all. Like, he he already influenced Randall's move. Just from his stance, he pushed him right, knew, knew that he was going to play for that fading jumper along the right baseline, which is Randall's pet shot. So so when Randall started to even escape dribble, right, AD slid up even closer and got up in his stance more, but not so high that if that's just a bait right that randall's going to go to to go by him swallowed that that up took away the pivot just everything fundamentally and then mike after the growing tweak he is he had that long rebound that he got tangled up with derrick rose to force the jump ball these are all super important plays and Pete, you had said this, I think, online the other day, or maybe it was in one of our chats, but just AD is doing so many more little things now than what he was doing before. And the Knicks game, man, like, look, the stat line, oh, 20 points, six rebounds, poor efficiency. 
he AD made a bunch of winning plays that game that uh, that tells me he's he's back as much as the super big explosion games that 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 he's had against like Portland and and against the Suns. That's absolutely the case because he helped us win a game against a good team that's been playing well when everything wasn't working out for him on offense. His jumper wasn't falling. We didn't have guards to help collapse the defense and get him more involved in in the pick and roll. The circumstances on the offensive end, winning a game like that, when your half-court offense is that debilitated, that's a significant win. And we did that against Denver, and we did that against Phoenix as well. Now, in the Phoenix game in particular, it was a game where AD was hot and was that destroyer of worlds. And so that is closer toward the ceiling of a team without LeBron, without Schroeder. But last night wasn't a near our ceiling type of win. Part of what was so encouraging about it is we won because we were so good at the baseline things that we can be good at every single game. And the big challenge going into these playoffs is going to be our half-court offense. That's going to be the thing that comes and goes. But when we're able to get that type of win just off of the meat and potatoes of what we do, it's very gratifying and speaks to what this team is capable of once we have once we have our offensive guys back. And I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on the Houston game, but they are not the, the defense that the Knicks are. The Knicks allow the fewest points in the league. The Rockets have allowed in their last, I was just looking this up, their last seven games, 136, 113, 122, 135, 141, 124, and 140 points so you know look it's young guys and journeymen of uh, vets it's dg augustine and kelly olenic and you know kevin porter jr Kenyon martin jr jay sean tate like so it'll i i'm not gonna i think we'll be able to probably draw some different conclusions to that one and hopefully um it'll be about lebron you know being able to come back nothing official on that yet but that's you know he can kind of take care of the half court offense against the rockets and before we wrap and i don't want to talk about the rockets at all but personally, right? I, I just covered I it for you in 30 seconds. No, I definitely appreciate the note there. <laughs> I just want to, one last thing just to close up on the Knicks game. Flowers to Wes Matthews. Flowers, yes. to, flowers to Andre Drummond, mm-hmm. right? That was probably mm-hmm. Drummond's most complete game of the season. He was, I thought, impactful defensively. And mm-hmm. I thought Wes was just a bulldog at the point of attack against Derrick Rose down down the stretch and you know the the monster tip in the threes that he hit those are going to be like the highlight plays but the plays that I will remember are him getting over the top of screens denying angles so Rose couldn't even use use a screen all of the battling that that he did he even got matched up against Randall some he won some of those. He lost some some of those. But the competitive fire that Wes showed, I thought, was just supreme this game. And I before we before we left, and since we talked the next game, I just wanted to make sure that we gave some love to a couple of guys who I thought were instrumental, especially down down the stretch. Very much so. I'm seeing encouraging things with Drummond. I know he drives people crazy. I'm actually rather enjoying the experience, uh, but. His work on the offensive boards has been phenomenal the last few games, and he seems to be getting his timing back. That block that he had on the Nerlens Noel dunk, he his contests had been a beat slow 
around the basket. And that's getting faster and faster the last couple of games. I think he's getting more comfortable. We'll see. We need more evidence, but uh, very and, curious to see LeBron, where things yeah, go. Especially LeBron's, LeBron's going to help too. That's Drummond. right. LeBron's going to be a huge help. And so everybody, please enjoy us putting up that banner. Finally get to unveil the banner tonight against Houston. The way Mike was describing those point totals that they've allowed the last few games, I thought, you know, that's a good team to raise a banner against. I remember my first year coaching, uh, we were the homecoming game for four different schools, which is when you know you're bad, right? Because they don't want that night to be a loss, right? <laughs> so I was very proud. We were only homecoming for one team the next year. Anyway, uh, everybody, Coach please call, take a moment Coach to – call calling Pete. He's like, hey, are you guys available uh, the October, <laughs> October 12th? Um, oh, you know what? That's what we were thinking about doing homecoming that night. All right. Thanks, Coach. I- <laughs> I, I, I like to divest myself from responsibility because I was not the coach the year before oh, cool. we were the, sure. the four homecoming games. Right. And I was very proud of the fact that we were only one school's oh, homecoming respect. game yeah. the next season. Right. Go. Because we made a couple of those. We didn't win any of them, but we made a couple of them like five, seven point wins. Anyway, everybody Please. enjoy. Please, Please take a, a couple moments to celebrate a title that we still have not had enough time to sufficiently celebrate. Use tonight as that. Think back on a a great 2020 season and uh, I think a very exciting 2021 playoffs ahead. I I also just want to tease something. Um, I didn't warn you guys about this, but coming soon on LFR, I don't know when. It might be next pod. It might be in two pods. We're working on the Darius Displeasure Scale. Okay. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, is that the official title of this? <laughs> that's that's we're, I'm workshopping it, but there are Darius. Can I can I give out the current categories, or would you like to yes. say those? No, okay. no, no. Please, please, please. So here's what we have. Now these are still being workshopped. This this you know this might not be a final product, but I like where we're at right now. Uh, number one on the Darius displeasure scale. Actually, let's go in reverse order. Number three on the Darius displeasure scale is got home, but the pickup order is wrong. Okay, so he's mad, but. You know, he's not like he can get over it. Number two, new shoes got scuffed. So now we're starting to get big mad. And then number one, who microwaved fish in the house? So this is we're going to apply this to things at some point. This again, this is the scale. This is all about Darius. So I don't necessarily we don't necessarily need your suggestions um, on Twitter. But I just want to just want to put that out there <laughs> that we're going to get to this, and there's going to be some other stuff that, that's going to bug Darius, and he may. So I'm I'm leaving this open for you if you want to change it at some point. But that's what we got so far, um, and Pete and I will be organizing, and we'll get to it once something pisses him off. All right. Exciting times ahead. <laughs> it is. Until then, yes. Until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bad next to the winner. It's on the way. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. It's over.
Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.